0: Rico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in! scintillating football by the Chicago Fire! 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 A man on fire! All right, football fans, welcome into the Intercontinental Football Show, episode number 43, and you know the drill by now. Joined by none other than the voice of the Premier League on NBC Sports, Arlo White, I am Tyler Terrens, the voice of the Chicago Fire in the Windy City, and joining us is A-Dub, the master of the controls, the master of his universe, except when it comes to Carabao Cup. We'll get there in just a little bit, but I had to throw my first jab inside of the first 20 seconds. Positive vibes only. Damn straight positive vibes only. I've got, I've got my sweatshirt on. Felice Nabi Lad. Yes, you might ask, why did I spend 30 American U.S. dollars on this sweatshirt? It's for moments like this where I can simply rub it in A-Dub's face, even though we're a few thousand miles away from each other. But that is neither here nor there. We have loads to talk about. Yes, we're going to talk about the greatest nil-nil game in the history of football between Liverpool and Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final. We're going to talk about all things Premier League and all across of Europe. We've got loads to talk about when it t- when it comes to Chelsea and the stewardship of Chelsea Football Club. Roman Abramovich and the U- Ukraine-Russia conflict having very real impact on the footballing world. But, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Ukraine. Um, and this is a humanitarian issue. We'll get to that as well. But Arlo... Mm. I don't know where to I don't know where to start. I really don't. And where I want to start is is going to be at A dub's expense. And I honestly think that maybe we should just have an episode dedicated to me roasting A dub for maybe twenty minutes or at least until Kepa's penalty lands somewhere, whether it be in the you know in the solar system or beyond. But where do you think when we should it, start? When it
1: bounces off the Hubble telescope, um, that, that's the point I think that 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 the the, the humiliation is mm-hmm. complete, and I tell you what a dub has scribbled positive vibes only on that whiteboard behind him, and even he's gonna struggle to 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 be positive after that i don't have you have you seen the photo that a dub has just shared with us uh Tyler? Oh, yes. the, and his um and mrs a dub took a picture of him right after kepper's um penalty sailed over the crossbar, and it appears yeah. that he's trying to smother himself yeah, with a is. pillow um such as his 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 mindset at the time Uh, that is the pose of a man who frankly is broken um and uh, listen have you brought your microphone adub i mean or have you just conveniently forgotten it you know just we need to get we need to get your first reactions on air here to chelsea's defeat on penalties the reason the positive vibes only is behind me is because I don't have to see it. So I don't have to go by that motto right now. I don't see it in front of me
0: because
1: there's no positivity out of this. It was a brutal day yesterday. Yes, it's just the Gummy Bear Cup, it's the EFL Cup, whatever, not the biggest trophy. All trophies matter, it's still a trophy. You want that silverware. And it was still just a
0: tough way to go out after a great match. I, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I didn't care. But once once, once it turned out to be the game that it was and it literally was like shaping up to be the greatest final ever without having a goal scored in 120 minutes, I was like, I want it. I want it real bad. I want it bad not only because I want a trophy and not because I want to come out on top of this epic affair, but I want it so that I could have this moment, this glorious moment. You know, Arlo Wiseman once told me that, that in life, you know, if you're going to achieve something great, it's going to take really just a, a dominant force and, and a dominant amount of moments of hard work for just – Few slivers of glory, and <laughs> and my hard work and being a fan of Liverpool Football Club has paid off for this for this minuscule moment of glory uh, over Adub yeah. Chelsea. I'm well, it must history. have been.
1: It also must have been hard work putting those eight goose islands away yesterday, Tyler. I thought that's a pretty pretty decent effort uh, on the was session. Was it Sunday Fun Day? You were drinking to celebrate Adub. Drinking to forget. Um yeah. listen, I, I mean I just I just commentated on the on the West Ham Wolves game, which frankly was a massive letdown. I was really looking forward to that game. But it was dull, it was played at a testimonial pace. Um, West Ham eventually winning by a goal to nil then they've got a better chance of getting into the top four than Wolves do now um, so I was listening to to the game I mean I had a very spotty connection to to watch it on my my Sky TV app on the way home and it was always behind the radio so if anything happened in the game you know in the on the radio I knew there first and then then you'd see it on the on my screen about a minute and a half later so that was frustrating and actually because I'm a radio guy too listening to the game on the radio was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. um, I listened on talk sport to this one, and we had Andy Townsend, former Chelsea, Ali McCoy, who's a former Rangers guy, but is a he's just a legend when it comes to broadcasting. And it was just so gripping and exciting from the first whistle to the very end. And I've got to say, you know, uh, joking aside, with a dub, Chelsea had the best chances in this game. Liverpool were the better team. Liverpool controlled the run of play for the most part, and they didn't go without chances themselves. And by the way, and we'll get to Mendy and the Keppa situation in a bit. Edward Mendy made some absolutely astonishing Incredible. saves,
0: Incredible. but
1: and but so too did Kelleher. and and the the um, Romelu Lukaku offside. I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of goals being ruled out. For those minuscule shirt sleeve offsides. Now I know that this one was originally given as offside on, on by the assistant, but it wasn't. I would get my margin of error in. I was told we were getting a margin of error in for for these sort of things. That should have been allowed as a goal without so what question. About, what about the Matip one?
0: What about the Matip one? Is that should that be allowed as a goal too?
1: No, because because saying, that, no, no, because that, that was interference. I mean, that was that was interference by a player that was in an offside position. It was clearly in an offside position at the back post, Virgil van Dijk. I've seen the highlights on that. He impedes the run of the defender to... But is it and then offside or
0: is it a well, like, I thought or is it, is it a that
1: was offside. Yeah, I thought that was more clear... Than than Romelu Lukaku, but yeah, you can make you could make the, the same I'm, argument. I'm just saying, I'm just, yeah, those, those
0: margins those margins are super thin too. Those two were wrapped up; they were hugging one another, and, yes. and we're going to say that if listen, if it's a foul, it's a foul. I'm fine with that. But if it's offside, yeah. and and you're talking about those thin margins, I mean, listen, that, I guess it was, yeah, maybe that I goes within the margin of error.
1: As well. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then you kind of decide, well, actually, is it a foul? I don't know. That's a, that is a more complex one, I agree with you, than the Romelu Lukaku one. But there again, you know, you've know, you got the Nabi Keita situation as well. Now, I'm not here to, to try and get every player sent off and it's a disgrace and etc. But that's a red card. That's a red card all day long. And pros will tell you that often players go into challenges because they're expecting someone else to come in with force and you've got to protect yourself. And the way he went into that challenge with Chalaba you know, Chalaba apparently, did he have stitches or it certainly drew blood on his thigh? Cater was very fortunate to get away with that. And yeah. um, so Liverpool rode their luck a little bit, albeit, again, they were the better side. And I think they deserved to win the game. And I think they deserved to win the trophy at the end of the day. Um, and they kept their call quite bril- brilliantly in the shootout. Um, but it was an epic final for the ages. And anyone that tells you that a 0 0 can't be a good game. They're just plain wrong. That was just absolutely compelling from the first whistle to the last. And I agree with A-Dub. There are only three domestic trophies to play for in English football. What the League Cup does is it's an interesting competition. One that, that Klopp hasn't taken seriously recently. One that Pep has, and they've won, I think, four under Pep Guardiola. So by the end of February, Tyler, you've got a trophy. So, it's not, Mm. you know, you're not, if if you get to the end of the season in your Liverpool or your Man City or your Chelsea and you've only won the League Cup, that's not a great season. But it launches you into the rest of the season. So, you've at least got one trophy. You add that to your tally, which all these clubs show on their walls, in their tunnels, and in their training grounds. And it propels you with confidence forward into battles ahead. And what all the Liverpool players, Trent, Alexander, Arnold, Mo Salah, they've all tweeted out the first of four they think and feel that they're going for a quadruple. So you lose mm-hmm. that first one and suddenly you've lost your impetus. You win it, suddenly you start to believe. That's why the League Cup is important. And you, and it's a big final. There's 90,000 people there. That was an epic tussle between two of the best teams in Europe. I thought Chelsea played far better than I expected, given what was going on behind the scenes. But that is a significant moment for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool because it's another trophy, perhaps deserved, for
0: the good work that he's done at that club so my one my one like problem with this, and it's a bit of a more of a pessimistic outlook on it. so as this game is unfolding i'm I'm watching it with a buddy of mine who's Scottish and is a Manchester United fan, and I'm looking at him, I'm saying, "Oh you, you know what? I'm kind of like I, I i I'm not a fan of how this game is unfolding because we're putting so much into it emotionally and so much energy into it." then I know that these guys are professionals of the highest order and they're some of the best footballers in the world from a Liverpool side. But there are so many important moments left in the season. Champions League, finishing out this Premier League and making a push and trying to beat out Manchester City, Um, you know, FA Cup. There are still so many more important moments than this, but the way that the game was unfolding, you couldn't help but just put 120% of of your being Mm. into it because of the way that the game was, was presenting itself. And my only concern here, Arlo... And, and you see this a lot in Major League Soccer, and obviously the quality is different. But you you see it sometimes happening as well with with European teams, and even some some Manchester City fans would, would make the argument that if you sort of have this emotional peak at a, at the wrong point of in the season, it can it can maybe take away from those important moments later on down the line. Where is if you're Manchester City and you're winning all these huge games in Premier League and and you win an EFL Cup, then maybe it takes away from from late May in Champions League, and you've already sort of emotionally expended yourself and I and I'm, I'm nervous that maybe Liverpool it, amidst this final maybe hit their emotional peak too high now it, it's again it's a pessimistic sort of half mm. half glass empty approach but I've seen this play out before and that's my only con- that's my only sort of bugaboo with with this whole thing is that this trophy and and the way that this game unfolded it it it, it it, it's emotionally draining and there's no other way yeah. to get around it. I just hope that Come Liverpool on. can really pick themselves up and dust themselves off and be able to look forward to these other three trophies that they're potentially going to try to win.
1: We we have no idea how the season's going to pan out, but I'm going to give you the glass half full approach, which I, I guess being a neutral guy, you know, standing above this 30,000 feet, I can I can look at. Um, I think Liverpool and their season, they were playing some great stuff, but they trailed Man City by so much in the in the Premier League that you're relying on other teams to do a job on Manchester City, which didn't look likely for a long time. You know, you, you were 3-1 down to Leicester City in the quarterfinal at home of the Carabao Cup. So you're on your, on your way out of that tournament. So, And you, you're about to lose Mane and Salah and Keita to the Africa Cup of Nations. And there was a lot of pessimism about Liverpool and about how this season was going to pan out. I think now there is total energy and there is momentum in this Liverpool season. The the big players being away did not affect them in any way shape or form. They've got a trophy on the on the <clears throat> in the cabinet already. They've closed the gap on Manchester City. It was almost even more with with City scoring a late goal at uh, at Everton at the weekend. Um, they've come through a very very tough battle and and succeeded. They kept their nerve in the in the penalty shootout. So if there's any more shootouts in the Champions League down the line, you know other teams are going to be look at that and go, my god. I mean, if we go to penalties, it's like the Germans in the 90s. We are done if if that if that is the situation. And I just think now that there is a momentum about Liverpool and they truly believe they've got through that dodgy patch. And they are—they've come out of it, and they've lost nothing. And you add on to that the return of Harvey Elliott, who I thought was was excellent when he came on, and he, and he put his penalty away. Luis Diaz as well. My goodness, what a signing! A what cool. a signing at the perfect time to add more quality and depth and energy. Um, this was a significant day, so I'm going glass half full. I think this propels I, Liverpool. I've got want it, to. got it. Yeah, yeah they've got to, to take go. care of business. Yeah, and there may be an element of of fatigue as, as a result of it. You know, they did play against Leeds, albeit they thrashed them 6-0 during the week. They've got a game during the week. They've got West Ham at home. I'm doing that game on, on Saturday. But but I, there's no substitute for winning. There's no substitute for, for collecting trophies. And if you look at this Klopp era, there's one Premier League title. There's one Champions League. There's one Super Cup and there's one Club World Cup, right? Before that, there was losing final after losing final after losing final. It was the League Cup, wasn't it? It was the Europa League and it was the Champions League. They, he needs and Liverpool need to gather trophies during this era yes. or, or it's kind of a waste so so to add a league cup a domestic cup that i think a lot of liverpool fans wanted liverpool to take more seriously i think it's a, a significant moment um it, it doesn't guarantee anything between now and the end of the season of course but but to get that trophy you know on on the sideboard in february i think it's a big deal
0: i agree i i i i just am, it's a it's a it's a cautious optimism i guess i can call it right now mm. but it stems from you know uh, over, over, close to three decades of just being beaten down as a Mets, Jets, and Knicks, <laughs> thing. and you know it's 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 just it's just part of my DNA. It's part of who I am, and and I and I accept it for what it is. You know, I I've I've had plenty of moments where I'm a dub, where I'm smothering myself with a pillow and just hoping that it'll all go away. Um, but I, but that's I think me. I
1: think there should be a league cup introduced into the NBA just to give the Knicks a, a, a whiff of silverware, that'd be great, wouldn't it? If the,
0: if the Knicks a whip, a could could win of the NBA, doesn't mean are win it. Like, like <laughs> it? It's more disappointment. It's it's just another reason for me to be pissed off. I, and I bet on yeah, Golden State. Of, yeah, Golden yeah. State would play the
1: kids, you know. So you know you you'd, you'd have a chance. You know the Bulls would play the kids. So you know the Knicks go full strength, they win the league cup. On the flip side, Tyler, and and this is you know this is a really really complicated situation, but. I was at um, Goodison Park on Saturday and it was a it was a hugely emotional day. And I, we were preparing for the game about 35 minutes out from kickoff and the teams are warming up. And suddenly, you know, what fans were in there, it was about, I don't know, a quarter full at that point. Everybody just started clapping, and I'm like, "Oh, what's going on?" And I look over to the left-hand side, and and because of COVID, uh, there are some porter cabins now behind the park stand, which is where the visiting team get get uh, changed now because the tunnel area at, at Goodison Park you, you can't fit two people side by side in it. So I think there's a bit of a social distance element to it. But anyway, it was Alex Zinchenko um, trotting out for his warm up, and and obviously he's got you know the Ukrainian flag on on his uh, on his warm up top and he carried on running and I thought oh my god I'll get my phone out here and I followed him to the halfway line and I suddenly realised he was going to uh, to embrace and meet Vitali uh, Mikolenko who was signed by uh, by Everton from Dynamo uh, Kiev in in the January transfer window and he's only 22 years of age and the two of them were visibly moved uh, and I just got this video and I put it on on Twitter and I just thought this is just such an amazing moment what a privilege to have witnessed it and and about 4 million people have watched this video tyler it's just it's incredible how much people are engaged in this situation mm-hmm. then we had the situation at, at the uh, the start of the game where they played He ain't heavy he's my brother over the tanoy a great song emotive song by the hollies in the 1960s it's just and 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 the, the close up of zinchenko and he's got tears in his eyes and mikelenko's got tears in his eyes it was actually hard at that point to to hold it together because the enormity of what of what we're witnessing, what we're experiencing, and we're we're experiencing from afar, obviously. These guys, I mean, who knows where their families are? Tyler, mm. who knows what what danger and strife that their families in Ukraine are are facing and, and how brave they are to to want to to give that sense of normality and defiance that they they want to get on with their jobs. And, you know, maybe it helps them to get on with their jobs and get a sense of normality through through the pain and through the anguish. Um but during the second half of that game, I get told to check my emails on my phone, which is it's not ideal, but I, I managed to do it. And it was a statement from Roman Abramovich. And it was him apparently uh, acceding, not power, but handing stewardship of yeah. Chelsea Football Club to the charitable foundation um, that the club has formed. And my initial reaction to that was, well, it doesn't say anywhere in the statement that he has acceded control of the football club because he certainly hasn't. He's got an asset there that's worth between two and three billion pounds. And he's also owed about a billion and a half in, in loans by Chelsea Football Club. You know, he has, Chelsea are, Um, a a club owned by an oligarch who have achieved a tremendous amount of success over the last 20 years thanks to the funding from Roman Abramovich and whether this was I mean Abramovich at his level doesn't do anything unless you know lawyers are instructing him to do the best now it it may be that he feared his assets were going to get frozen so if he hands it over to, to the Chelsea Foundation maybe he's protecting Chelsea I don't know. The latest I've seen, and this may change, is that the the Charitable Foundation were only informed of this on on the Saturday, and now they're expressing their doubt because they don't want to be seen to be covering for Roman Abramovich and, and be the patsies in this situation and then face sanctions themselves. So it's a bit of a mess um, the future of Chelsea, I think, is a little bit uncertain at the moment. There are also stories that Abramovich is going as part of a delegation to negotiate with the Ukrainians uh, on the border. I think with Belarus. So that wouldn't do, you know, that wouldn't do his his PR any harm at all. It just depends, I guess, what. What comes of it? But having Roman Abramovich, who in his statement did not um, did not condemn the invasion of of Ukraine, a sovereign state by 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 Russia. He is a dual national. Of course, he's a Russian national. He's also an Israeli national. Um, And nor did Chelsea the following day. They didn't condemn uh, the invasion. They called it a conflict, I think, from memory. Um, so Chelsea didn't come out of this very, very strongly at all either. And there were a lot of sort of grim faces when the two teams sort of mingled together before the Carabao Cup final for this sort of show of unity. Um, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, they were about to play a cup final, but there was no eye contact. There were no real sort of like, you know, there was no warmth between the teams. and And, and arguably, why would you, you know, in that situation? But I don't think Chelsea have come away from this with 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 flying colours, put it that way. And I, I do understand that Tuchel's in a very difficult situation. I understand that the players are in a very difficult situation. I know Chelsea are now going to get some stick, you know, from opposing fans because of their their association with Roman Abramovich. So we'll see how this all plays out. But I think there's now some really serious, legitimate doubts about Roman Abramovich and whether he's still the owner. Of Chelsea Football Club going forward, whether he's allowed to sell it, whether it's seized in some way, I have no idea. Um, but I, I would I would predict that his days as the owner of Chelsea Football Club
0: are are pretty much numbered. Listen, this is this has obviously been been stirring and been going on for a while, and then obviously with the with the actual invasion, and, and we're seeing the real repercussions of of what's happening as a humanitarian issue um, bleed into our world, which is, which is the sporting world. And you think about, you know, the champions league final being moved out of St. Petersburg um, and being shifted to Paris. And now you're seeing, you know, uh, somebody who is basically having to um, give up stewardship, what we'll see what exactly that's going to mean in the long run. But Arlo for me, it's just, a, it's just another reminder of that, you know, football is simply a sport and there are issues. and And this is certainly one of them that are, that are bigger than the sport. And I'm, it's good to see that the footballing world is sort of taking the right stance on this, and that, and I think the initial messaging was conflict, and it shifted towards a humanitarian issue. We see in a Major League Soccer, and we're seeing in a Premier League as well. But um, you know, it, it's just it, it's a it's a it's a very real reminder that that this that this has repercussions all over the place, and um, you know, for right now, we'll, we'll just have to sort of wait and see what this means for Chelsea Football Club moving forward.
1: Right, just take time out there. I was just thinking of a point then that FIFA they have to adhere to certain. Wada rules the World Anti-Doping Authority, but to go down that IOC route <clears throat> of having a Russian team that's not a Russian, that's not officially a Russian team. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, and I, I've got every sympathy with the likes of Poland and Sweden. Uh, is it Switzerland as well? Who are saying we're not playing them in in the in the World Cup playoffs next month, which we're simply not playing them, even if it's on neutral territory and and a team formerly known as as Russia. We are not playing them. Now, if FIFA then decide, right, well, Russia gets a buy into the World Cup finals in Qatar. Great. okay. In their first game, when they're drawn against whoever, don't show up. Don't play show FIFA that you cannot politic your way out of this. You cannot appease a country like Russia with the way that it is behaving at the moment. Now, I know the counter-argument is you can't punish footballers and sports people because they're just doing their jobs. Fine, yeah, no, I understand it. But you're, the leader of the country is threatening a third world war and the use of, of nuclear weapons. And I'm sorry, that transcends sport. So it has to be a hard line, and if that means we, I don't know, reset FIFA at some point. No, we want nothing to do with the pariah state of Russia whilst this situation is is ongoing. And and if the situation is somehow peaceably uh, ended, we want you know uh, assurances for the future before we step onto any playing field against a Russian team, be it at club level or international it's level.
0: A, it's such a slippery slope, though, and and. And my, and yes, and my initial sort of devil's advocate nature is going to say, well, do you really punish players who, and, you know, you think about some, some athletes around the world, you know, you think about like Alex Ovechkin, who's been a huge, huge, huge proponent of, you know, he's a patriot and and he supported Putin in the past. And now he's come out and said that, you know, I'm not, I'm not really on board with this. This is, this is, this is not, this is no bueno. And, you know, I do not support what's going on right now. So do you really punish the footballers And then. You know, if you are going to draw a line in the sand and say Russia aren't allowed to compete while this is going on and while the, while you know uh, Russia continues to invade and, and terrorize poor Ukrainians, do we what? Where do we draw the line when it comes to you know states that have you know really poor views on on how they treat you know homosexuals and 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 the whole thing? Like where do we draw the line in the sand on this sort of stuff? Whereas if you are going to penalize the footballers and you're going to penalize the countries and not you know the sovereign, you know. The, so it's a very, very slippery slope. And I can understand where FIFA can, you know, maybe want to try to sit on the fence with this a little bit. And, you know, but it's but again, it's ultimately up to the teams that are going to be competing against Russia to to make a statement and say we are not yeah. going to take the field against these teams. But again, I'm sure I'd be shocked if the majority of of the players on Russia are in support or whatever it might be. I don't want to speak for anybody for, for their not again, not political views, but how they view the situation. It's. I would. I would be very surprised if if all of these athletes are on board with with this war.
1: Mm. No, totally, Tyler. It's a deeply complex situation. You know, ultimately, there's a lot of people, uh, me included, that are very uncomfortable with the World Cup finals being held in Qatar in the first place because of human rights abuses and because of the treatment of homosexuals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I just think in this situation, I think footballers and and governing bodies of of certain nations. Um, are well within their rights to say that they do not want to take part in 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 a, in any game, uh, be it you know, a World Cup game, friendlies, whatever it might be, uh, against a Russian team or a team that is representing um, Russia. You know, playing on neutral territory. Um, something has to be done, and and you know, the world is in absolute turmoil at the moment. And 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 if you're a sports um, I wouldn't want to be a, a sports authority, or, or you know, somebody that that kind of runs these things. It, it, it's just getting so complicated, week in, week out. There are new issues, you know, on a global uh, global level, a geopolitical level, that, that they need to be sort of sorted out. But we'll see how this shakes out. But I, but I, I strongly feel that. You know they're within their rights to to refuse to play Russian. We'll see how in the playoffs, and we'll see how that that shakes out with FIFA. Um, but that wasn't the end of the controversy, by the way, at uh, at Goodison Park. The VAR situation. No, just to bring it I'll back see. to the football, I have never seen a more incompetent and outrageously um, disgraceful decision or non decision as I saw there. So the the way it shook down. We see Rodri lean in uh, and handball, and the Gladys Street end just all went crazy that they thought that was a handball. So whilst all the uh, the replays are going, and the VAR is 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 happening, and Chris Cavan has taken a look at it. I hear in my ear from from Stamford, Connecticut. There was an a pause. There was an offside in the build-up to the goal. That's why this is going to be uh, that's why it's not going to be a penalty. Oh, right. Okay. So why are they looking at this at this handball? Time and time and time again. So there was confusion. The game was restarted um, with a with a, a signal from Paul Tierney, the referee, that there, there was a an offside and, and the game would restart with a free kick. So we got it wrong. Um, we could only go on the information that we had at the time. So it turns out the offside was after the incident, and that Chris Kavanagh, the VAR official, could not find clear evidence. Now, bear in mind, it's got to be clear and obvious in order to overturn it. Well, Portieri was blinded by um, Rodri's body anyway. He couldn't see it. So he's not actually, by definition, made a decision, right? So you have this red zone, which is kind of like. In basic terms, the sleeve line of a t-shirt sleeve, right? And you have got the green zone, which is the rest of rest of the arm. Uh, sorry, green is the sleeve, red is the rest of the arm. Not clear enough evidence that most of the ball was was on the red zone of his arm. What was he looking at? What was he looking at? The it was a clear
0: body figure. Every oh, every oh. every iteration of the handball rule like over the past however many years, could be found in that play. There's yeah. no there's no human way that you could possibly look at that and say, oh, that's not a handball. Handballs yeah. don't exist in the game of, uh, game of football anymore if that's not a handball. I don't want exactly. to hear it. I really don't exactly. want to hear it. Exactly.
1: He's moving. He's leaning in. His arm comes out. His arm's away from his body. Unnatural position. Every It ticks every box. And, by the way, you could clearly see that it was in the red zone of his arm. So what Chris Kavanagh was thinking, I have absolutely no idea. And it turns out then that the and, and the Premier League clarified that after the game, so there was no offside according to them. Richarlison was an offside in the build-up. There was an offside afterwards, which then led to the way that the game was restarted. Scandalous, I'm afraid. Absolutely scandalous. And if 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 the, there's a level of incompetence like that on on the VAR at the Premier League, it's not fit for purpose. It just isn't. And, and you know, this is not an anti-Man City thing by any stretch. And I'm not accused any, accusing anybody of of bias and corruption and all this sort of thing. All the big clubs always get the decisions. It's just, and I've said it before, it's incompetence. The system isn't wrong. It's the operation of that system. That was the easiest open goal of a decision you could ever wish to make. And Chris Kavanagh, sadly,
0: blew it and there needs to be repercussions there has to be if if everybody else in the footballing world is going to be held responsible for their actions whether it be players whether it be coaches whether it be staff whether it be commentators if everybody's going to be held to a higher standard and making a mistake of that Level and making a mistake of that proportion, he should be suspended without pay or suspended for, for a couple of games and not be on a big Premier League game for however long. There needs to be some sort of repercussion for ignoring the most obvious call ever. ever. Tyler, how? I got, I I got to West Ham.
1: Less than 24 hours later, in fact, less than 20 hours later, Chris Kavanaugh was the VAR official for West Ham against Wolves. And that staggered me. And I asked Lee Dixon about it during the game, and, and he was quite dismissive. You know, he's got his opinion. You know, what, what, what is it what is supposed to do? It's not going to change the decision that he made. But surely, even if it's not a suspension, Chris, we're going to take you off this game. Yeah. And you're going to go through a period, a three day period during the week of retraining. And just, you need a reset. on on the laws of the game and the role of VAR. That, to me, would be a very positive outcome of it because he got it so devastatingly wrong to to the point where you think, is he fit for purpose, you know? And and it's a shame because that was... um, And, you know, if they score the penalty, it's 1-1 and Man City drop points... And you know that that aids Liverpool in the title race. An extra point goes on to to Everton in their battle against relegation. The whole picture changes. It was a big, big call, but it was the easy. It wasn't. It wasn't a judgment call. Do you know what? It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. You might think that's a foul. I don't think it's a foul. It was clear. It was handball. Give the penalty and then let nature take its course. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. One nil to Man City. Fair play to them. Um, Everton came up with a really good performance, but City, with a Phil and goal, stretched their lead to six points over over Liverpool at the top. And Liverpool, of course, have a game in hand.
0: I had a uh, I had a very um, ambitious uh, parlay laid out for 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 this Premier League weekend. It was over in the Spurs Leeds game, which I hit on four nil, and then I had Everton and Man City drawing. I had I had a, I had a very Strange, strange feeling about this. You had game a horse in the I was, race. I had a little horse in the race, and and Chris Kavanaugh just absolutely shot my horse right in the head. And just you know, <laughs> it, I, I just—it's just depressing. <laughs> it's depressing to think that it's not the system, it's not the 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 letter of the law, and all these things that sometimes you can sort of sit back when you're given the explanation, you say. I don't like it, but I can understand it. I can't understand this. It's depressing that somebody's mm. somebody's negligence, somebody's incompetence could have this big of an impact on a football mm. match and on a title race. And it just drives me absolutely bonkers. I'll just and never say
1: Tyler, just to just to put a bow on it. If Chris Kavanaugh, and there's no way that he, you know, he's clearly unsure, there's no way that he was certain, send Paul Tierney to the screen and allow Paul Tierney who hasn't seen the original incident because he's blinded by um Rodri's body let Paul Tierney make the decision. Yeah say look okay I'm not I think there could be a handball here I'm not sure you take a look and give him all the views that you've had and then let Paul Tierney make the decision because if you don't you are just breaking VAR as a system. So it was a it was it was a very very poor day.
0: So, let's talk about something that um, is probably equally as depressing for Leeds fans, and that's uh, their results over the past two games. And they have Mm. been beaten 10-0 on the aggregate uh, Mm. by Spurs and Liverpool over the past two games. Marcelo Bielsa announced yesterday um, that he's officially no longer in charge of Leeds United. But this was sort of a long time coming, and we've seen the performances as of late. They've been really, really poor Um, You know, we've always known sort of what Bielsa ball looks like and that, you know, they're going to expose themselves and go forward with, you know, great vigor and reckless abandon, but they they simply just don't have it. And, um, you know, this was, this is, this has been coming for a while now. And, you know, there's some Leeds fans that have an interesting take on, on, you know, what, what they Mm. believe to be sort of the best course of action for the club.
1: Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. Firstly, Tyler, I'm sad that Bielsa is gone. You know, you talk to a lot of ex-pros, and I know Graham has voiced his, his opinions very strongly, that, that you know, there's no plan B. And, and he looks at it from a professional's point of view, that as a pro, he would feel in that team totally exposed and wouldn't be able to do his job properly. He'd be embarrassed and he's not being set up to to succeed, you know. Um, I tweeted out, I think it was just over a week ago, that I felt that the Bielsa era was coming to a fitting conclusion in the summer, that it had run its course, that the players were exhausted, you know that the squad was too small to cope with injuries to Bamford, to Phillips, and to Cooper, three be- very big players, effectively the spine of that football team. Unfortunately, events and and capitulations. They conceded four to Manchester United the week before as well. They conceded twenty goals in um, in February alone, and that's that's a record for one month apparently in the Premier League. So. It, it's everything was expedited and speeded up, and I and I remember I tweeted on Saturday after the four 0 defeats at home to Tottenham, the time is now, and and I've I've been you know in a situation I've been in this situation as a Leicester fan in my in my spare time where Claudio Ranieri um, had won a title with Leicester City, and the following season it looked like relegation, and what relegation means to a football club, Tyler, is not just like oh god we have got to play against you know smaller teams and whatever. You know, people get fired. You know, staffs, mm-hmm. uh, staffs are, are decimated. T- up to 200 people would have been fired at, at Leicester City had they gone down and, and lost their livelihoods. And I'm sure the situation was the same with, with Leeds United. And you have to, as a, as a club, I understand, you know, Radri- Radrizzani's dilemma. Do we keep this guy because he's been amazing for us, but watch us go down? Or do we make a change and try and stay up And and upset a few Leeds fans who love Marcelo Bielsa. Basically, he made a business decision; his head ruled his heart. And I was listening to a lot of talk, uh, football phone-in radio, you know, on, on going around the country, Everton, Liverpool, and down to London. And the and the overwhelming impression that I got from Leeds fans was they are devastated, they're angry, and they're also they prefer to play Bielsa ball in the Championship don't forget they were missing for 16 years this is a big club they're a former champions league semi-finalist they won the the last title before the premier league was founded you know they're a big team big club and they'd rather go down with bielsa and have him stay than than stay up by the skin of their teeth and and not believe and 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 not feel the identity with that new manager and and that team i just thought that was very telling and i thought it was that was really interesting bielsa will be missed um the whole thing has unravelled the team are exhausted that they've lost that belief, um, and they're getting absolutely pulverised. And it was sad to see. I think it was time, probably in hindsight, to go last summer. Um, having got out the championship in the second season, and then finishing ninth, um, Bielsa doesn't usually stay into a fourth season. So this is this is kind of like beyond where he normally stays at a football club. But such as the love affair between between the two entities, you know, he he gave it another go, and it and it's not worked. So I think Leeds have made the right decision. But I'm not a Leeds fan. I think it's a decision that probably keeps them in the Premier League. I hope it does. Um, But it's it's tinged with a great deal of sadness. That was a lot of fun to watch that Leeds team um, after they arrived in the Premier League at the start of last season.
0: Yeah, and and this is some... You know, that, that mentality and that sentiment from Leeds fans and wanting to die on their hill with their guy, that is some Game of Thrones honor type, yes. of, type of shit. That, like, it's, it's really amazing. And it's a testament to how much they embraced him, how much it meant for, for, for Leeds fans, for Bielsa to bring them back up. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's incredible. And it's a testament to sort of, you know, the, the culture that Leeds have created and, and their sort of ride or die mentality. But mm. don't, don't, die, don't die on that hill. Don't don't no. do it because it might set you back for another sixteen years. If you if there's yeah. a possibility you can stay up, then then stay up. I I, I promise you it's not worth it. Yeah, the,
1: the 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 Leeds fans are the Dothraki charging towards the White Walkers, yes. aren't they? In, the, yes. in that in that great battle in the in the final season of Game of Thrones. Um. So yeah, that'll about do it. I've got to tell you a little bit, a little anecdote. Um. I've got a driver, great great lad, um. Called Taz. And Taz is a Liverpool fan, and Taz is a football uh, fanatic, and he drives me to these uh, various games, and we have good chats along the way. And he said, "Well, uh, oh, I didn't realise Americans knew so much about football." And I said, "Well, why did you say that?" He says, "I listened to your podcast the other day. Who's this Tyler guy? And who's this A Dub guy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they they're, they're you know they, we do this podcast every week." He said, "Oh my god, I didn't. I, I thought Americans were into soccer, but I didn't realise they knew as much about it." He said, "Those guys know what they're talking about." And I'm like, well, yeah, I know that. Yes, you know, I didn't want to put him away because I, you know, you know, I know, and obviously <laughs> there's a huge list of it. But it's like, uh, it's nice to hear. So I thought you'd like to hear that as well. I mean, you know, it sounds dead patronizing. Don't mean it to. Just, just take no. it for what it was, which is a huge I,
0: compliment. I honestly, you, 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 you've made my morning. You've made my week. You know, if I can, if I can gain the, you know, the trust and sort of the stamp of approval from from your side of the pond, then I'm clearly yeah. doing something right. He's not listening to the pod because
1: I'm his mate. He's now listening because he knows this is where you get top level football chat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why he threw a dub into that um, scenario as well. But listen, slander, slander. Like-
1: he said a dub can bring the tone down a little bit on occasion. Um, could he have the
0: positive vibe side in front of him rather than behind mediocre, him? Mediocre <laughs> vibes only. Mediocre. No no, no plan, no trophies, just vibes. (laughs) Tyler and I are both back in the booth in our various um,
1: um, um, situations at the weekend. Tyler, you've got the call for the Chicago Fire against Orlando City, WGN 5 Central uh, on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, This is a fire-centric pod, of course. So get your tickets at chicagofirefc.com. And let's get that place rocking ahead of uh, MLS game two, a nil-nil draw in the first game. Let's get three points at home. And then for me, 11.30 a.m. Central. So this is nice. It kind of leads in. You can have have an Arlo and Tyler day. So I'm doing Liverpool-West Ham. I think that's on NBC, 11.30 Central on Saturday, then 10.30 Central on Sunday. Three-man booth, Manchester City against Manchester United. The big Mm. bank derby. Can't wait. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Get with Tyler on Saturday as well for the Fire. I'll be back with the Premier League. We'll be back next week talking Chicago Fire and the Premier League. Bye for now.